Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. I want to start today with a little game that I like to call This or That. I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give you that, and you get to say which one you prefer. Are you ready? Cake or death? (laughs) I guess it really depends on what kind of cake it is. Success or failure? Wow, man. (laughs) Uh, Here's one. Do you want to be considered wise or do you want to be considered a fool? Do you want to be rich or do you want to be Poor. See, we, we have the ability to say what we desire. It's very easy for us to pick cake over death. Like if I have an option, like I can either have a slice of cake today or I can die, I'm going to choose the cake. It's easy for me to say what I want. The question that I really want us to focus in on is, Are my actions coming into alignment with what I say that I want? Am I living a lifestyle that is moving me towards that direction? Another one we could say in this or that is, do I want a family who serves God or do I want a family who serves their hobbies? Which one? God. Everybody says God, but are your actions leading you in that direction. Remember that our actions take us in a direction and every direction leads to a destination. So today I want to talk to you about the power of wisdom to guide your life. If you're going to have a guide in your life, I would highly suggest wisdom. Turn to the person next to you and say, wisdom is powerful. If you have your Bible, let's go to Ephesians the fifth chapter, I'm going to start uh, reading in verse 15, staying with the, the theme of this series in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 5:15. the Bible says, look carefully then how you walk. Examine your steps. Glenn, don't just start in a direction. Think about where that's going to take you. Not as unwise, but wise. Do you want to be unwise or do you want to be wise? Which one is it? Okay, so then if you want to be wise, then you need to consider your steps. Making the best use. I underlined this in my Bible. Making the best use. Not just some use or a form of use, but the best use of the time because the days are evil. In other words, a wise person considers their steps. They anticipate where their decisions will take them. They're not just living aimlessly. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not running a race aimlessly. I'm not boxing as one that's just beating the air. I'm not just swinging my fists. But John, when I swing... I swing with a target in mind to make maximum impact. 
a wise person lives in such a way that they're living to make maximum impact. They're making the best use of their time. The Bible says in the book of James that life is like a vapor. Turn to the person next to you and say it's like a vapor. It's like a mist. One moment it's here, the next moment it's gone. And I've learned that no matter how long you live here on this earth, it is nothing compared to eternity. It's like a little blip on the radar. James wants us to know that what you do here right now, you, you should really consider it because there's just a little bit of it. The question I ask myself, the question I hope that you are asking yourself today or that I would like you to ask yourself is, am I living in a way that it's going to make maximum impact? Am I living in a way that is going to make a real difference? What kind of legacy am I leaving behind? What kind of future am I building for the next generation? Think about that. What kind of foundation am I laying? Because the foundation that you lay is the foundation that they are going to build on. If you do not build your life on a good foundation, then the next generation that comes up will either build on a bad foundation or they will have to fight with what you were not willing to fight, struggle with what you were not willing to struggle with, overcome what you were not willing to overcome so that they can lay a foundation to build on so that the next generation after them can build. Are you following what I'm saying? I am very thankful for the foundation that my family laid for me. They have their faults. Every family has their faults. Every family has their shortcomings, but they laid a foundation for me that showed me that the work of God the presence of God is primary. That comes first. Nothing in our life came before Jesus Christ and his church. I'm thankful that they modeled for me what generosity looks like. Because many of the blessings that I walk into today is because of what they did before me. Does that make sense? It is very important that we examine our steps and consider where is this going to take us? Where is this going to take the next generation? Am I making the best use of, of my time? Am I actually doing something that matters? Think about how many things in life that we invest in that really don't matter. Now, I'm, say, I'm not saying that we should not do things that we enjoy. Absolutely, we should. I do. I enjoy getting out on the boat. I enjoy riding around. That is something that I thoroughly enjoy, and I will do it as much as I can. However, that will not take precedence over what truly matters in my life. Many times we say that we serve God, that we love 
God, but our lifestyle and our actions are saying a different story. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, your money will follow the passion of your heart. So you don't have to tell me what you love. Let me look at your bank statements. I'll tell you what you love. McDonald's. Some of you spent $5,000 this month on McDonald's. I'm just kidding. Are you following? <laughs> you need deliverance. <laughs> McDonald's is not that good. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good, but it ain't that good. I mean, 2500 max. But <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? A wise person considers their steps because not only is it going to affect you, but more than affecting you, it will affect the generations to come after you. So we examine our steps. Turn to the person next to you and say, we examine our steps. The big idea is this. What I want you to grasp for where we're going today is wisdom walks me in the right direction and leaves something of value for future generations. So wisdom walks me in the right direction and leaves something of value for future generations. Proverbs 3.13 says, blessed. Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be not blessed? Hello? So the Bible says blessed is the one who finds what? Wisdom. Why? Because wisdom's going to take me in the right direction. Wisdom is like a metal detector on the beach. It finds the value under the stand. When you work with wisdom, when you live with wisdom, you attract the blessing of God. You attract the favor of God. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Well, how do you intentionally find something? You've got to intentionally look for it. If you have children, you've probably had some form of this question. Dad, where are my shoes? <laughs> and I say, I don't know. Did you look for them? No. Like the shoes are just going to jump out at them. Like the shoes are just going to come out from under the bed and go, here I am, wear me. <laughs> but that's how we treat things in life. We, we treat things in life like it's just going to come find us, like it's going to knock on our door. We, you know, we pray, God, send me a godly spouse, someone that will love me. And we expect them just to show up at our house and knock on the door. If that happens, you're either marrying the Amazon man or a Mormon. <laughs> there are things that we have to go out and find. Jesus teaches us that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is his way of doing things. It, it, Tom, it's a way of walking. It's a seeking so that we may find. It's a knocking so that the door may be open. So we should seek for wisdom. We should find wisdom. Once we find it, we should hold on to wisdom, and we should value wisdom. 
Because with wisdom comes blessing. Somebody say, with wisdom comes blessing. I'm trying to take some time just to teach today. Just to kind of get your mind rolling a little bit. Proverbs 8.11 says, For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire. Think about everything that you desire. Homes, clothes, cars, motorcycles, boats, fishing gear, hunting gear, purses, watches. I saw somebody was wearing a $450,000 watch yesterday. Isn't that crazy? I mean, good on them, but I mean, that's just. But think about this. Whatever we desire, nothing, the Bible says nothing compares to wisdom. Why? Because it doesn't matter what you have. If you don't have wisdom, you will waste it. Hear me, it does not matter what you have. If you do not have wisdom for it, you'll waste it once you get it. You ever seen those specials about the people who win the lottery? I saw one one time. This guy is 50 years old, or he's in his 50s, still living at home with his parents. Has no job. This should be the first sign that wisdom is not a part of your life. You're in your 50s. You live at home with no job. Now, I'm not talking about you fell on hard times. I'm talking about this is your lifestyle. You're in your 50s. You live with your parents. You have no job. He wins the lottery. Millions of dollars. Within a few years, loses everything within a few years, dies broke. Think about that. See, sometimes we think that money is the answer to all of our problems. Have you ever considered that maybe money is not the answer? Wisdom is the answer. Learning to handle what you currently have sets you up to handle more in the future. There was a lady, another lottery special. She won the lottery. The next year, the very next year, she won the lottery again. Next to the word lucky in the dictionary is this lady's name. Yet she lost it all. Why? Because it doesn't matter what you have. If you don't have wisdom, you'll waste it. So I, I think that a wise approach to life is instead of always praying for things, we should pray for wisdom. Now, I'm not saying that we should not take our needs and our wants and our desires to the Lord. We absolutely should. But along with those needs, wants, and desires, we should be praying for the wisdom to handle what we currently have and what he is going to bring our way. Because wisdom sustains us where we are and prepares us for what is coming next. Are you, did you follow that? Wisdom sustains me where I am and prepares me for what is next. It is foolish to pray for something that you can't handle because you'd waste it when you got it. Some of you in here, you, you desire, you, let's just talk about relationships. You desire a relationship so bad. The problem is if you got that relationship right now, you would destroy it. 
because you don't have the wisdom to handle it. So wisdom says, God, I'm asking that you would begin to prepare me. Prepare my heart. Prepare my life. Help me to become the person that you've called me to be so that when Mrs. Wright steps into my life, I am Mr. Wright. But that's wisdom. Foolishness just lives on a whim. Come what may. Come whatever is next. We'll just roll the dice and see how it turns out. That's foolishness. Remember, wisdom considers the steps and thinks through, Glenn, where is this decision going to take me? Once I release this decision with some action behind it, where's the follow-up? Where does it end? Start applying that to every aspect of your life, especially some of you in here, you are young enough to where you have not stepped into some things yet. And I'm telling you, you don't have to step into it if you'll use wisdom. How many of you are older in here you can say, that's true? How many of you could have saved yourself a lot of heartache and pain if you would have just used just a small bit of wisdom? Turn to the person next to you and say, wisdom works. Wisdom is valuable. Wisdom trains me from where I am going and sustains me where I am. So instead of constantly praying for stuff, we need to start praying for wisdom. God, show me how to handle what I currently have. Show me how to manage what I currently have. Listen, if you will not save when you have a little, I promise you, you will not save when you have a lot. If you are not generous when you have a little, you will not be generous when you have a lot. We need wisdom for these things. So today I want to look at King David. He was the king of Israel in 1 Samuel 17. But when we go here in 1 Samuel 17, this is before he's the king. At this point in time, he's a shepherd boy. But God is taking him in a direction, and I want you to see how wisdom helped pave the path for the future he possesses. Wisdom helps pave the path for the future we possess. 1 Samuel 17, we'll start reading in verse 24. Many of you have heard this story before. Many of you grew up with it in Sunday school. Don't tune it out. Sometimes we miss so many things in the Word of God because we tune it out and think that we automatically know it all. But watch this, 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, when they saw Goliath, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, say what? What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Here's the question. Here's the wisdom that we find. First bit of wisdom right here. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Is what I am going to get from it worth what I'm going to have to put into it? Now, again, start applying this to the different aspects of your life. Allow wisdom to guide you. If you're sitting there right now going, Phew. is the juice worth the squeeze? Is what I'm going to get from it worth what I'm going to have to put into it? Is what I'm going to gain worth what I'm going to have to spend? If you came to me today and said, hey, I'm going to sell you a car for $100. How many of you say that's a good deal, a $100 vehicle? Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Man, I don't know where you can find a car for $100. But let's say it's going to cost me $30,000 just to get that car driving. I've got to really consider here. Is that car worth what I'm going to have to spend to get it on the road? Think it through. If it is, then yeah, make the investment. See, what David's doing is when he's coming to this battle line, he hears the taunt of Goliath. He knows that he has the ability to take him out. He knows that God is with him and will fight that battle for him. But before he steps out to fight this giant, he wants to know what's in it for me. What is going to be done for the man who takes away the reproach of Israel? There are some things that I need to ask before I invest. When I talk about investing, I'm talking about where I spend my time, my effort, my energy, the relationships I enter into. I need to ask myself, is this going to benefit me and how? Will it benefit me physically? Will it benefit me emotionally? Will it benefit me mentally? Will it benefit me spiritually? Will it benefit me financially? Where is the benefit for me, and is it worth what I'm going to have to put into it? You, you can save yourself a lot of heartache in life if you'll just start thinking this way. Is what I'm going to have to deal with worth what I'm going to get from it? In relationships, sometimes we enter a relationship thinking, I'll fix them. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you, please don't raise your hand. Because some of you are sitting next to them. But how many, <laughs> how many of you have gone into a relationship thinking, I'll fix them? How's that working for you? Is the fix worth what you've had to put in? That's a simple illustration, but you can apply this to every aspect of your life. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is the hit worth what I'm going to have to deal with in the future? Think about, you know, addiction. Addiction starts somewhere, right? It starts with a choice. I was thinking about it this morning. 
Addiction starts with a choice, whatever it is you're addicted to, whether it be food or, or drugs or alcohol or tobacco products, whatever it is that you're addicted to, it started with a choice. And many of us make the choice without considering the destination. That one day I'm either going to have to go through the process of quitting or it's going to quit for me, meaning it's going to end my life. You see what I'm talking about when I talk about is it worth it? See, some of you who are younger in this room, you need to start thinking this way. Is picking this up right now, is the momentary joy worth where it's going to take me? Kids who are in relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, there are certain things that you do that will produce a result. Are you willing to take upon the responsibility of that result? If not, make a different decision. Because every time you decide to do that, you are saying, hey, I'm willing to take on the responsibility. Now, you don't know me. Yeah, trust me. You're making the decision that this responsibility, that this juice is worth the squeeze. And I promise you, some of you teenage girls with them teenage boys, that juice is not going to be worth that squeeze because they have no idea what they're doing. I better stop. <laughs> Father, forgive me for I have sinned. <laughs> oh, that felt good. Wet t-shirt contest. baptized my Bible. <laughs> Verse 28. So get this. He's, he's asked, what's in this for me? Turn to the person next and say, what's in it for me? Now, Eliab, who is David's oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him and toward another. And he turned away from him and toward another. Hold on to that. And he spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. Now, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. Saul is the current king of Israel. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. David's bad, dude. Listen, I went to Montana last year. And when you walk around in like Wyoming and Montana in the wilderness, they make you carry bear spray. And the only thing I could think 
while I was walking through the woods where this bear spray was, I hope I don't have to use this bear spray. Not David. David's bad. He says, whenever they came, I would struck them, strike them, I'd kill them. And if he rose against me, I called him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For who is he to defy the armies of the living God? And David said, the Lord who delivered me. You're seeing wisdom at work right here. He understands that it was the Lord who delivered him from the lion and the bear. It was not about him. It was about the God who was with him. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. If you've ever played basketball before, you understand that if you stop your dribble, you've got to stop your feet. You can no longer run. You can no longer walk. The only move that you can make once you stop and you are stuck is what they call what? Pivot. This allows you to, when an obstacle comes, it allows you to shift around. It allows you to move. It, it, it allows you to see a different perspective so that you can pass the ball, so that you can continue on with the game. This story that we just read here with David, as he's going in to fight Goliath, he shows us some wisdom pivots. He shows us how he comes against some different obstacles and he shows us through wisdom how he works through it to move him into the place that God has ultimately called him to be. Remember, he's a shepherd at this time, but it sets him on the course to become the next king of Israel. So let's look at some of these pivots. The first thing is this. Wisdom knows who to listen to and who to turn away from. Wisdom knows who to listen to and who to turn away from. When David is having a conversation about Goliath and finding out what's going to be done for him once he kills Goliath, his older brother starts to put him down. His older brother starts to talk negative. What does David do? Says he turned from him. In other words, you have no say in my life. I'm not going to stand here and argue. I'm not going to stand here and fight. I'm not going to stand here and work out the details. He turned away. Once he gets to Saul, what does Saul start doing? Saul starts putting him down. You're not able. Goliath is a man of war. Goliath has been a man of war since his youth. You're nothing but a kid. You can't handle this. David pivots from what he is saying, what Saul is saying, and pivots towards faith. Let me tell you what my God says. Let me tell you what my God has done. See, listen, not every voice in your life is good for your life. You can love them, you can be kind to them, but you do not have to listen to them. Because the voice you follow, the voice you follow will take you in a direction. Think about David's story. See, we have the power of hindsight. We get to see that one day he becomes the king of Israel. 
But how pivotal was this moment in David's life? The facing of this giant. What happens if David says to Eliab, you're right? What happens if David says to Saul, you're right, I'll go back home and check on those few sheep that are under my care? If he listens to that voice, he abandons his purpose. If he listens to that voice, he abandons his purpose. Church, you've got to be very careful who you allow to speak into your life. Psalm 1-1 says, blessed. Do you want to be blessed or unblessed? Hello, are y'all still awake? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Listen, a fool will despise wise counsel and gravitate towards a voice that agrees with them, even if it's not a voice of truth. Gravitate towards it because it agrees with me. Listen, truth may not agree with you. Truth may not feel good to you, but wisdom says, I want to know the truth because the truth is going to lead me into freedom. A true friend, and I welcome true friends in my life, a true friend is someone that I know loves me enough to give me God's truth on the matter and not just tell me what I'm wanting to hear. There are a few people in my life that I allow that position to say, hey, Aram, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And because I have a relationship with them and I know them and I know that they're not trying to harm me, they're trying to help me, I know they're not trying to destroy me, but they're trying to help me, then I allow them to speak. Why? Because wisdom has big ears and a very little mouth. Wisdom has big ears and a very little mouth. Let me say that again. Wisdom has big ears and a very little mouth. You ever spoken to someone that the whole time you're talking to them, you can tell that they're just trying to figure out what they're going to say next? It's because they don't have wisdom. If that's you, I apologize. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Because wisdom has big ears and a very small mouth. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it's one of my favorite verses, it says even a fool, I'm going to paraphrase it, even a fool could be, uh, you know, disguised as a wise person if they'll just keep their mouth shut. Because as soon as you open your mouth, you show your cards. A wise person will sit and listen and ponder a wise person will meditate and chew on. A wise person knows how to eat the meat, spit out the bones. Wisdom has big ears and listens to the right voice. Wisdom receives chastisement when the chastisement is correct. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. When they hear wisdom, they despise it. 
when they hear instruction, they go in the wrong, the opposite direction. Wisdom is worthless until it is applied. Wisdom is worthless until it's applied. It doesn't matter how much wisdom you think you have. If it's not applied, it's worthless to you. I have a travel trailer that I got from my wife a few years ago. And on that travel trailer, there's a hot water heater. Make a shower hot. We went camping this week. We're at Lake Altoona. And in the evening time, I like to rinse off. But I didn't turn my hot water heater on because it had been winterized and I didn't take time to do that yet. So I took a cold shower. I've got a hot water heater. But I took a cold shower. Are y'all following that? So at that moment, the hot water heater was useless to me. It doesn't matter how big the hot water heater is. Until I apply it, it has no value to me. Solomon, if you know his story, King Solomon, who was David's son, is known as the wisest man to ever walk the earth. God comes to him one night and says, Solomon, I'll give you anything you ask. Anything you want, I'll give it to you. Solomon says, give me wisdom. He doesn't ask for money, doesn't ask for cars, doesn't ask for women, he asks for wisdom, which shows wisdom, right? Solomon's the wisest man to walk this earth, second only to Jesus Christ himself, who is God in flesh. Yet Solomon's life ends terribly. Not because he didn't have wisdom, but because he did not apply the wisdom that he had. So as we seek for wisdom and find wisdom, we've got to make sure that we are applying wisdom because that is a sign of wisdom. I could not say that again if I tried. So if wisdom is valuable, where do we get it? We've got to go to the source. Tell the person next to you and say, go to the source. Proverbs 2.6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? The Lord. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So his word is wisdom. His word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. If I want wisdom, I've got to get into the word of God. If I want truth, I've got to get into the word of God. Another way I can gain wisdom is by directly going to God and asking for wisdom. The Bible says in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So I can actually pray for wisdom. Tom, I don't have to go through this life on my own. I don't, Mary, I don't have to try to figure out everything on my own. I don't, you know, business situations, relationship situations, financial situations. I don't have to try to figure that out on my own. I can go to the Spirit of God and say, Father, give me wisdom on what to do how to move, and until I get wisdom, I'm going to learn how to wait. Because that's wisdom. Waiting. Waiting until I get a response. So I can pray for wisdom. 
I can also get wisdom by walking with the wise. The Bible says if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But a companion of fools will come to ruin. In other words, you rise or fall to the level of your associations. Younger people, people in here are struggling with something, hear that. Examine who you're hanging with because you will rise or fall to the level of your associations. If you're hanging out with foolish people, don't be surprised when you end up doing some foolish things. If you want to change that direction, you've got to change who you're allowing into your life, who you're allowing to speak into your life because they will take you in a direction. Sometimes we get stuck in a pattern because of who we are listening to. When God tells Israel to go in and take the promised land, they send out 12 spies. But they do not go in and take the promised land because instead of listening to the voice of God, they listen to the spies who spoke doubt and fear and not faith. Because of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died off. They got stuck in the wilderness because of the voice they listened to. Some of you are stuck in a season you were in because of the voices that you are listening to, the voices that you are giving audience to. Next thing I want you to say, see, see is this. Wisdom keeps things in proper perspective. Wisdom keeps things in proper perspective. When David begins to outline for Saul what he has been through in life with the lion and the bear, he is very quick to say that it is by God that he was able to do this. There are psalms that David writes where he says, by my God, I can run through a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. The apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. I'm keeping it in proper perspective. It's not about my ability. It's about the ability of the one who is with me and living inside of me. Because of that, I have the ability to move forward. Because he is with me, I can do all things. I can accomplish anything that he has called me to. Not because I'm great, but because he is with me. That's where wisdom's at work. Listen, I don't step on this stage without first realizing and reminding myself that this that I do is because of God that is with me. That I do not have the ability to change one life. That I do not have the ability to touch one heart. I do not have the ability to heal one person, but God does. And so when I come and approach this sacred desk, I come with the understanding that I am a vessel. But God, you're with me. And whatever you want to do, you accomplish it. That allows me to live humbly and without pride. I understand that everything that I have in my life is because of the goodness of God. Earlier I was talking about generosity and I mentioned giving and how, how giving has to do with love and not law. I have no problem, Mary, and my track record will prove it. I have no problem giving to the kingdom of God. You want to know why? Because I realize that I am where I am because of him. Not because of me. And anytime you start thinking that you got yourself where you are, 
you're setting yourself up for a big, big failure. Because if it had not have been for the Lord who was on your side, well, God, you don't know. You don't know about the parents and grandparents who prayed so that you'd be where you are today. Your life could have gone in a completely different direction, but you are here today because of the goodness of God responding to those prayers of those who loved you. You are where you are because of God. Every gift, every talent, every opportunity, your time, the, the beat of your heart, the breath in your lungs, it is the Lord's. It is given to you to manage. How are you managing it? You will give an account for how you managed what God gave you. Do you know that? Can I be fair with you? One day you will stand before the living God and give an account for how you managed what he placed in your hands. It is scary if you're not considering the fact that everything comes from him, so you freely, you freely release. You freely release. You freely release. Listen, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can provide, and I've seen him do it. Bob, I have seen him move in impossible situations. Impossible situations. Situations that would boggle the mind, yet God, boom, responded and made it happen. That's the God I serve. That's the God we serve. The God who takes a boy and allows him to face a giant. The God who takes a shepherd and makes him a king. Not because David was all that, but because David knew God. David trusted God. David loved God. David realized everything that I have is because of God. And that perspective of wisdom set him up. Set him up for his future. Consider that. The final thing wisdom does is wisdom reveals the moment. Everyone saw a giant to be feared. All these men trained for war saw a giant to be feared. David saw an opportunity to advance his life. My family's going to be free. I'm going to get me a wife. I'm going to get me a house. He saw the moment as an opportunity. Wisdom is what reveals that to you. If you do not have wisdom, you don't know how to discern the moment that you're in and you allow it to pass you by. Some of you are facing difficult situations right now. And you're looking at that difficult situation as something that is there to hinder you or to crush you or destroy you, not realizing that this could be the moment that propels you. You've been praying for a stronger marriage. This could be the thing that steps you into it. You've been praying for more faith. This could be the thing that steps you into it. You've been praying that God will use you. Maybe this is the thing that God is walking you through to prepare you for where he's wanting to take you. Because if you can't handle this, you'll never be able to handle that. 
But because I'm resting, I'm trusting God, every moment I come up to in life is an opportunity for God to do something in my life, for me to learn something, for me to grow, for me to be stronger. Listen, there was a thing, something I went through in my life about 11 years ago that was very difficult. I would not have thought it would have been difficult until I walked through it. And it was a painful moment in my life. But now I'm able to look at that moment and see the compassion that it developed in me. The compassion I would need to lead the people of God. See, at that time, I I didn't have a church. See? But I went through that. Now I've got a compassion that I did not have before. We walk through things, Mary, that give us the strength that we did not have before. Sometimes the struggles in our relationship is teaching us how to communicate. And we can either lean into that and go through the process and learn how to communicate with one another, how to share with one another, or we can allow that to be a wedge that drives us apart. The choice is ours. But wisdom reveals the moment and sees that, man, there really is an opportunity for God to use this to turn everything around. I believe that for you today. I believe that for you today.